holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com, the best podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team. And how do we know that? Because it's the only podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team. That's right. Arsenal women, I, I don't know, do we say they start their season, end their season this weekend? I don't know. Things are a little bit up in the air, but what's for sure is they've got a massive Champions League quarterfinal tie against Paris Saint-Germain in San Sebastian um, on Saturday evening. And we're going to have a little look ahead uh, ahead to that, um, as always, with our wonderful co-host Pippa Monique. Pippa, welcome to the show again. Hey Tim, it's been ages. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just um, yeah, just co- coping with parenthood now. Um, some, something you're uh, you're obviously already very well versed yeah. in. But I'm 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 finding my feet and up to my elbows in dirty nappies. How about you? <laughs> That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> And um and before and joining us as well because um, obviously we always have Pippa uh, making her first appearance um, on the show is the host of the Box to Box podcast which is a new podcast all about the WSL it's Alex Ibaceta Alex welcome to the show hi I'm happy to be making my debut <laughs> good stuff how how are you doing Alex I'm not too bad just getting on with uh, lockdown excited for women's football to be back. Yeah, indeed, it's been it's been it's been a really long break, hasn't it? And um, and and for those of you tuning in who perhaps don't really know um, much about kind of what's happening, essentially, Arsenal are in the Champions League quarter final. They were meant to play Paris Saint Germain in a two-legged tie in March. Obviously, COVID intervened, and that didn't happen. So the Women's Champions League is going to be decided exactly like the men's. It's going to be an eight, well, a nine-day tournament all in um, with the teams, the eight remaining teams playing. Their ties as one-offs in either San Sebastian or Bilbao. Arsenal will play Paris Saint-Germain on Saturday night. And if you're in the UK, that is being screened live on BT Sport 1. If they win that, they will play the winners of Bayern Munich and Lyon in the semi-final next Wednesday night. Um, and then if they win that, the final is a week on Sunday in San Sebastian. Arsenal need to win the tournament to qualify for next season's tournament because they finished third in the WSL on points per game. Um, a little bit later in the show, we're going to be hearing from French uh, women's football journalist Tara Britton to go in-depth on Arsenal's opponents on Saturday evening, PSG. Um, but we're uh, Pippa, Alex and I are just going to have a, a, a general chat about Arsenal's chances um, and, and the game on Saturday in particular and Pippa I'm going to start with you and uh, just before we get into the kind of um, the actual Champions League game we should talk a little bit about some of the comings and goings at Arsenal this summer Um, we did the podcast last month uh, with Sam Lewis looking at the signings of Lydia Williams and Steph Catley also Noel Mm -hmm. Maritz and Malin Gutz have come in but before we talk about the players who've come in uh, quite a few players have left this summer as well quite a few kind of squad players like Pauline Perrid-Mannion, like Katrine Veyer, but but three really big characters, um, I think, and and certainly two very long-serving players in Dan Carter and Emma Mitchell uh, left the club this summer. Also, Louise Quinn, massive part of Arsenal's title win in 2018-19. First of all, I just want to give you a chance to, I guess, react to to particularly those three like big players in Arsenal's history leaving and maybe a favourite moment from one of them during their time at the club. Yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite sad and unfortunate to see Daniel Carter's like reign at Arsenal end so shortly. I mean, she's been unfortunate with the injuries, of course, but I I'm quite happy that she's still playing football because once it was announced that she's leaving Arsenal, I thought she was going to go straight into a media career. Um, mm-hmm. So to see that she'll still be playing in WSL was great, great news. Uh, Emma Mitchell, 
unfortunately, I kind of saw this one coming. When we, when we loaned her to Spurs, that move alone was a bit like, oh, gut-wrenching. Um, uh, and then to hear that she's no longer... Uh, it, I'm not surprised with that one, but it's sad to see her go. She, she was such a great squad player for us. And she, there's so many great moments she's had with this squad, especially the last day of the season, 2018-19 season, that last goal against Manchester City. Mm. And even the goal she scored for Spurs, she's an incredible player. Um, so it's really sad to see her go. It's just all round. And Louise Quinn, you know, she was someone that wasn't expecting to have a professional career at such a late stage uh, of her, I say athletic life, because you know when you get a bit older, mm. you don't expect to be professional. Um, she's done so well for us in that title winning season. It's just sad to see such these players go, but it's also great to see that we've brought in reinforcement. So I can't be too sad, but of course there's going to be so many memories that I'll hold on for those players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think the, the kind of bottom line is here, they're all good players and they want to play. Yeah. Um, and they should, like, I, I think that's healthy that squad players, um, particularly at a club like Arsenal, should say, no, I don't want to sit on the bench. I want to go somewhere and play. Um, so a- absolutely best of luck to all of those players. So Alex, um, if we have a look at some of the players that Arsenal have brought in this summer, uh, as we said, goalkeeper Lydia Williams, Australia's number one, uh, left-back Steph Catley, Possibly the best left back in the world. Then we've got, uh, yeah, yeah. Then we've got um, Malin Gutt, um, who's who's actually Leo Volti's understudy at international level. So that makes a lot of sense. And then Noel Maritz um, from Wolfsburg. So Alex, that that to me seems like quite a good haul of players. Who who of those players really stands out to you, though? You know what? On, out of all those players, the one that I have. I guess the most history with would be Steph Catley. Mm. Um, I saw her play in the NWSL um, when she was in Orlando City. She did really well, started following her um, to Melbourne City as well, saw her play for the national team with the Matildas, and she just stood out to me, but in a very different level than most of the NWSL players and the American players that she plays with. I always thought that she was too technically advanced to be playing in the NWSL. Mm. Not to maybe offend anyone, but <laughs> she has a very, very high football IQ and she sees things that not a lot of fullbacks, a lot of uh, defensive players can see. Um, I mean, she had an X amount of assists when she played for Orlando. Um, it was a few, a few of her balls up to Marta, up to Alex Morgan were absolutely ridiculous. Um so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see Steph Catley play with Viv, with Kim Little in the middle, um, Jordan Nobbs, to see her play off these players and attack, which mm. is what she does best, I think. Yeah, and I, I think that I still think that's a really underrated signing. I think a lot of people are looking mm-hmm. at business that like Manchester City have done and they've brought in, obviously, or they're going to bring in two really high-profile high US uh, WNT players. And Chelsea have brought in Melanie yeah. Leupoltz, but I, I still think fullbacks get, you know, just don't get the limelight quite as much. And I still don't think people have quite got that Arsenal needed a left-back like they really needed one because they lost two this summer and they've basically signed possibly one of the best in the world and um, yeah. and, and they've kept the core of their team together. I, I think people really, really actually underestimated some of Arsenal's business. They've kept the spine of the team the same and they've just added some of these ingredients. Um, so Pippa, if we look ahead to Saturday evening, uh, Paris Saint-Germain in San Sebastian, Champions League quarter-final, one-off game. On one hand, PSG have played competitively this month because the Coupe de France finished and they lost the final on penalties to Lyon. On the other yeah. hand, in March, Arsenal had lots and lots of injuries which have now cleared up um, and actually fitness-wise are in much better shape than they would have been had the tie been played in March. How do you see this one going on Saturday evening? You could say it's perfect timing, really, because at the time, as you said, when we was meant to play the Champions League fixture, I was thinking, do we even have a squad built fit enough to even go out uh, and play these both these? Well, it would have been both home and away at the time if we would have had a squad fit enough to play those games. But now, as you said, um, the, the the injuries that we had in the squad, like likes of Beth Mead, Kim Little, such integral players, uh, Leah Walter, I even believe, uh, are mm. back now fit, um, and it is. It's more pressure, though, because obviously we've had these new players added to the team. They haven't had that much time to gel together because of 
isolation. They had like training sessions um, in small numbers and it grew as time went on. So it's great that football's coming back. It's great that we've got such a big fixture as a first competitive game. But to start against PSG in a Champions League quarterfinal where it's straight knockout, I am quite nervous, but we have a really strong team. It's just a shame that I don't know how we're going to play because I haven't seen some of these players play together yet. I mean, they've had uh, friendlies behind closed doors. Um, I'm, are you, I'm not aware of the results, though. Do they even release the results of those games? Uh, I know we won. They, they but... don't. We have won all three of them. Um, we, okay. beat, we beat Aston Villa 4-0, Charlton 5-0 and Brighton 2-0. Okay, so that's that's great. It sounds great. But going up against PSG, who, who you said to have played competitively against the Giants, Leon, um, anything can happen on that day. But we've, we've got quality players, as we know. Um, and we've done really well in the competition so far. I don't even believe we've conceded any goals in Champions League yet. So it, it's going to be interesting. But I'm quietly confident. Yeah, it's it's quite weird, isn't it? Usually you start a season and you kind of you get into it slowly, but starting a season with a one-off knockout game seems yeah. really, really Precious. strange. And yeah, like you say, really nerve-wracking. And another tidbit, um, by the way, that, that Pippa and I heard on the media call last Friday is that in these practice games, Arsenal, even though they've won all three games, they've been finishing with penalty shootouts um, to practice those, which I'm really happy to hear because Arsenal have mm-hmm. had two penalty shootouts under Joe Montemoro and lost them both um, and I know that they don't usually practice penalties so the fact that they're doing that this time makes me a little bit happier um, yeah. Alex if, if I come to you and, and just give you a chance to to have an overview on this game um, I, I mean I'm with Pippa I think this is a real coin toss tie um, right. and what's interesting is PSG they play a bit of a 4-4-2 but they press really high they actually play a bit like Chelsea um, and yeah. Arsenal have, have had some issues with that approach when it's done well. Um, what are you expecting to see from this game on Saturday? Um, I'm quite intrigued to see it, um, actually, because I think they play similar in terms of fullbacks um, attacking out the wing and kind of what I saw from Lyon PSG for the Coupe de France uh, final was that PSG, they don't really attack through the middle. And I saw a huge gap um, around their, their number six, which I think that the likes of Jordan Nam, Kim Little can probably exploit that space um, a lot more than Leon did because I don't think they did at all. Um, and I think the other matchup that I'm excited to see, well, excited as a football fan, kind of nervous as an Arsenal fan, <laughs> is um, Witaman and Katoto uh, yep. playing as their top two strikers. Um, they seem to have a really good understanding of each other and what they like. Um, Witama tends to drop um, drop off to let Katoto run. So the, the way they start off is Witama is a nine and Katoto kind of drops in behind her, sitting in front of the pen. But mm. Witama drops and Katoto is the one that makes long runs. So if we can handle that run in the middle, I think it should be a pretty good match for Arsenal. But um, We'll see how they handle that. Yeah, and she, she's a, a really interesting one, actually. And I, at the, for, for the benefit of the listeners, I haven't recorded with Tari yet, but I, I completely um, plan to talk to her about Kokoto, who was controversially left out of the France World Cup squad last year, despite being the top scorer in France for two seasons. She scored 16 times in a Ligue 1 uh-huh. last year, exactly the same amount as Vivian Miedema. So that gives you a, an insight into how dangerous she is. Um, and, and yeah, I, th- I think she's going to be a real key player. But I, I agree with you. I think as much as I absolutely love and adore Formiga, um, who plays in central midfield for PSG, she's 42. She's a miracle of nature, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but she's still 42. <laughs> and um, I don't think she could... Essentially, had the Olympics happened as planned, I think she would have retired by now. I think she's hung on for another year to play the Olympics. I do think that she is potentially a weak spot um, that we could identify, as as you say, Alex. Um, Pippa, uh, if we kind of maybe get ahead of ourselves for a minute, because mm-hmm. if we get through this game, we play either Bayern Munich or Lyon in the semi-final, yeah. which means... Basically, there's an excellent chance we'd run into Leon, um, yeah. which is, you know, that they've won the last four tournaments um, in a row. I think they've won six of the last seven. They are the absolute 
giants <laughs> of uh, women's elite football. But if, yeah. if that tie comes about, do I, could Arsenal beat Leon? Oh, are you really going to ask me something like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, obviously, this one puts me in a sticky situation because obviously I love Arsenal wholeheartedly, but I've had the pleasure of watching Leon in the Champions League final last year. Was it last year? I don't know what year I'm in anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it was last year um, against Barcelona. And they're just incredible. If we, I mean, we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves now, but if we was to get to a semi-final and knock them out, it would it would be one of the best seasons for for Joe for Arsenal women I mean obviously we've won Champions Leagues before but this one would just be a a lot more to cherish because the competition is so much harder and higher Mm. um, technically now Leon have got so many threats in their team I don't even know where to start I mean do do I even need to mention them Hegerberg like it's just too much can we beat them I mean can you answer that Tim can we beat them We'd we'd be underdogs, but the the last couple of times I've seen Leon, I haven't been in. I wasn't that impressed with them against PSG last weekend. But the thing I'll say, Mm -hmm. you referenced last year's final yet there, right? I I tipped Barca to win that game, and really, yep, and Leon tore them apart, four nil up at half time. Yeah, and I, I I think you're right. Their pedigree in this competition. Usually, I'm dubious about how much something like that counts. I think it counts for Leon. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think when they play in the Champions League, I do think they'll go up a level. I think they recognise yeah, that the competition's there as well now. Um, Alex, I'll, I'll come to you um, on that more. More generally, um, not so much if Arsenal play them or whether or not Arsenal end up playing them. Leon have won the last four Champions Leagues, as we said. Um, I personally, I think Wolfsburg still look really, really strong. I yeah. tipped Barca at the outset of the competition. I just think Barcelona's attack is the most beautifully balanced in Europe. Um, yeah. However, in your view, can anyone stop Leon winning the whole thing? You know, I'm, I'm, I haven't thought this through just because I know it would give me a headache. But I think the two teams that depend potentially do it would be Wolfsburg and Barcelona. Mm. Um, Barcelona, just because I think they learned a lot from their defeat last year. Um, they obviously, I think Oshola is their star striker at the moment, not with Tony Duggan is gone. Um, so I think they learned a lot from that defeat and they took it to heart. And they, unlike many others, many of the other squads in the Champions League at the moment, they didn't have many transfers. So the core of their squad that was there last season is still there. Mm. And I think they would be able to potentially come on top if they stick to their plan and they don't get too much into their heads. Cause that was, that was their first Champions league final. So maybe psychologically that got the best of them. Um, but I think they could definitely challenge them again if they learned. Um, and Wolfsburg is just a powerhouse. Um, I think they would literally just power through Lyon Um Maybe less on a foot, like on a footballistic side of it, but mm. more on the grit and the power and the physicality. I think Wolfsburg can probably get the better side of them as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I was feeling really confident about my Barca prediction until UEFA changed the rules. So um, initially, clubs weren't allowed to play their new signings um, in these games, but UEFA, I think, recognised that almost all of these teams have had big turnovers and have have sold Mm. players, Um, except, as you say, Alex, except Barcelona. Barcelona were the ones who've kept their team pretty much the same. And I think that would have been a a massive advantage for them. But nevertheless, I I agree. I think Wolfsburg and Barca, along with Arsenal, um, are are teams that could stop them. Pippa, uh, one, one of the things that's that's really, really nice about this, you know, not just from an Arsenal point of view, but from a kind of women's football point of view, is that we've mm-hmm. got this like, one-off tournament over eight days at a time where there's no other, you know, there's no other domestic leagues going on. There's no Premier League yeah. um, or anything like that. And so this is a great showcase for women's football. And I know there are going to be a lot of Arsenal fans who perhaps aren't that familiar with, with Arsenal yeah. women who are going to be watching the PSG game and any other games we get through to. Um, I hope so. Yeah, well, yeah, indeed. And and just for those people who might be tuning into this as well through through curiosity, I mean, I think everyone knows um, whether they watch Arsenal women or not about Vivian Miedema. Um, yeah. But 
for the for the Arsenal women novice who hasn't seen much of them or hasn't seen any of them at all, which other player other than Miedema would you tell someone to keep an eye on? Just one. That's so yeah. hard. Before, <laughs> the is. first player that the first player that came to mind was Beth Mead, but I'd have to say Kim Little because she is literally the magician in the midfield that keeps the game ticking. As well, um, I can't. I'm just going to mention another player then, but just one. Okay, <laughs> I'll say um, Kim Little. She's our captain. She's she's used to winning things, and she's very strong and technical in the midfield. Very very technical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to give you a flavour of how good Kim is, Hope Solo, um, who's won won a few things, won some gold medals in the Olympics and the World Cup. Uh, she played with Kim at Seattle Rain. Um, and she says that Kim Little was the best player she's ever played with, and mm-hmm. Hope Solo has played with everyone, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I think I think that's I think that's a great shout, and someone who's been at Arsenal for a long time as well. Yeah, um, real figurehead of the club. Alex, I'm going to let you have a nibble on that question as well. So, other than Vivian Miedema and Kim Little, which Arsenal player would you tell uh, the discerning Arsenal watcher to look out for? Um. I think I'm going to have to go for Leah Williamson. Um, I just I have such huge respect for her as a like as a centre back. She's she's composed. She attacks. She that one on one tackle like she's the one that you want to go for it. I think she's just underrated just because I think she's a defensive player. Mm. Um, the quality she has you you don't see that in a lot of players coming up nowadays. Just in general, um, she's obviously Arsenal through and three, which helps um, to keep the motivation up on the pitch. Also, I think is a bit underrated. Like if you were playing for Arsenal, if you were in that game against Lyon, you're down one nil. You need to get that tie. I think he looks to Lee Williamson as well. Mm. Um, but just qualities, you don't see the quality she has in a lot of players. And I think sometimes it goes underrated with a lot of attacking stuff that other players do. Yeah. Um, but Leah Williamson, definitely. That's a yep. player to go to. Yep, I think that's a fantastic shout. And an extra tidbit there, Leah Williamson was a mascot when Arsenal women won the Champions League in 2007 at Borehamwood. I think she was one of the ball girls that day. So she, she's been at the club forever. Big Arsenal supporting family. But yeah, as Alex says, terrific player. I, I'm going to pick a player as well. Um, and as Pippa said, it's it's difficult to pick just one. So I, I felt very comfortable about going last on this because there's no shortage of options. But I'm I'm going to say Jordan Nobbs um, in central midfield, who, who plays alongside Kim Little. Uh, Arsenal essentially play a midfield three. They have Leah Volti in front of the defence, and she is an outstanding defensive midfielder. Then they have Kim Little, who's really, really strong dribbler, great leader, great technical player. And then there's Jordan, and Jordan can basically do everything. She can do, do everything. She does everything. Um, she can tackle. She can pass. She can shoot. She's goal threat she's a real leader um these games are behind closed doors so i promise you one thing you will hear her um if you ever go to an arsenal women game you will hear jordan talking constantly because she's just one of those players who i don't know where she gets her energy from but um i envy her massively for that and she's uh, she's been at the club for 10 years um this month as well and she's another real high pedigree player she's had to miss a couple of international tournaments now through injury and i think she'll be really hungry on this stage to show exactly what she can do so i'm going to say jordan nobs um just to close out this section of the show, I'm going to put you both on the spot. And Pippa, I'm going to start with you. Uh-oh. Your prediction, first of all, for the mm-hmm. Arsenal-PSG game, and then your prediction for the overall winner of the Champions League. Oh, gosh. Okay, so Arsenal-PSG. I don't want it to go to, go to penalties. I'm, I'm hoping to get a, a win at full-time, nine minutes. So I'm hoping it's Arsenal 2-PSG 1. Okay, good shout. And who do you think is going to win the whole thing? I mean, I'd love to say Arsenal, but it's a really, really tough competition at the moment. Um, oh, Tim, don't do this because I have to be honest, don't I? You, you do. We, we, it's okay. We'll all be. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say Arsenal. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I think this will surprise everyone. But if no, I'm just going to say Leon. I'm, I'm just going to say Leon. 
it's it, it's a fairly safe bet to be fair they will yeah. be favorites in for I very good reason i was gonna say wolfsburg but i'm gonna go be safe and say leon i mean we could oh. very well have a leon final uh alex your prediction for arsenal psg and your prediction for the overall winner um i'll, I'll go for the overall first i think that's a bit easier well not necessarily easier but i'm, I'm kind of set that wolfsburg is gonna win Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they've done so well in the league and I think they've grown somehow even more um, but I think they've grown a lot more when it comes to European football as well so I think, I think if they have to go up against Lyon I think they can, they can take it um, but Arsenal PSG you know I, it could go either way that's the worst yep. part Um. You know, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw and Arsenal take it on penalties. No! <laughs> that, that's absolutely uncanny because that's exactly what my prediction is. Um, I, really? I, yep, I've gone 2-2 and Arsenal to win on penalties. I, I do think okay. Arsenal practising penalties is, is an interesting development. I think they've got... They, they have lost a couple of penalty shootouts of late, but I do yeah. think they've got some... some some players I trust in that scenario um, and PSG of course lost uh, to Lyon in the Coupe de France final and you know to, to be quite honest I, I don't penalties aren't a lottery I don't believe that and I think PSG mucked it up and as a proud Chilean Alex I'm sorry to say that but but getting Christian Endler <laughs> to take uh, the the so the PSG goalkeeper um, Chilean legend uh, Cristiano Endler took yeah. a penalty when PSG were in the box seat and she hit the bar and Mm-mm. Leon took it from there and that to me just struck me as 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 a really odd decision and a really odd thing to do and I wonder yeah. if that would play on their mind a bit if it went to penalties. Um, I, I think it probably would. Yeah, I think I think her confidence was a bit too much um, yes. after that save. She saved Lesmer's goal, and I think her confidence was just a bit too much, and Definitely. maybe probably shouldn't have taken that. Because she leant back, and usually you lean back if you're a bit too laid back. I think so. I I do think Arsenal will take it on penalties. Um, unfortunately, I I do think that Leon would just take us in the semi final, and I do think they'll beat Bayern Munich for the overall winner. Um, for difference, and well, no, look, I said I tipped Barca from the beginning. I'm going to say Barca, but I tell you what I think would be the absolute tie of the tournament would be uh, Wolfsburg-Barcelona, which is, I think, almost certainly going to be the semi-final because um, if Glasgow City can keep Wolfsburg down to single figures, I think they'll have done well. Uh, Wolfsburg will win that handily. With everything that's going on with Atleti at the moment, I mean, three managers in one season and they've got five players who've tested positive for coronavirus, so they can't train. I can't see them laying a glove on Barcelona. So I think Barcelona-Wolfsburg in that semi-final, I think the winner is going to come from that semi-final. Um, and I, I'm I'm going to stick with my guns and say Barcelona. but. Nevertheless, when Arsenal won it in 2007, they were not favourites. It was just their time. So let's hope that it's their time again in San Sebastian next week. Um, That's it for part one of the show. I just want to say a real big thank you, obviously, to our co-host, Pippa Monique. Pippa, thank you as always. You're welcome. And Alex, thank you so much uh, for your insight as well. And, you know, just as I said at the outset, Alex hosts her own WSL podcast called Box to Box. Alex, thanks so much. No, thanks for having me. And hang on, because right after the break, I will be talking to Tara Britton in depth about Arsenal's opponents on Saturday at PSG. So join us after the break for that. your hand if you'd like to bid farewell to 2020. Now, use that same hand to celebrate the new year with Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code NEWYOU at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com, the best podcast about the Arsenal women's team because it is the only podcast dedicated solely to the Arsenal women's team. Um, welcome to part two, where, as promised, uh, I'm joined by French women's football journalist for L'Equipierre and L'Equipe, Tara Britton, uh, to get the PSG perspective. Tara, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely, our pleasure. Um, First off, um, you know, obviously we'll look from the kind of the, uh, this tie from the, the PSG perspective. Um, I want to look at last season for, for Paris Saint-Germain. Um, the title, the French League title was awarded to Lyon on points per game, um, which, which seemed quite unfair because Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon still had to play each other. The, the title was very close still, and I don't think it was a foregone conclusion that Lyon were going to win it. How did that decision go down with uh, Paris Saint-Germain, the club, and the fans? Well, I'm sure that they wanted to play that, uh, that game against Lyon because they were, the, the first game during the season, uh, it was a, a draw between the two uh, teams. So mm. it's... It's it's been a few years that Paris Saint Germain is only only one step from Lyon, but at the end it's always the the same the same end. And uh, well, Paris Saint Germain didn't have the chance to um, to beat uh, Lyon during the championship, but um, we had the French Cup, the final. Uh, it was uh, ten days ago. Mm. And it was between Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon. So it looked like uh, that game of the championships that never happened. Mm. And well, um, the result was 0-0 and uh, we didn't have any addition, additional time well, and any extra time. So it, uh, it went strictly, well, directly to the penalty kicks. And... At the end, I don't know if it's well. I guess it's a it's a, a problem with the mental. It's not the football. It's mm. it's the, the the way you think you're gonna win. And at the end, Paris Saint Germain um, lost uh, three to four uh, during the penalty kicks. So it's always the same. Always at the end, it's always Lyon that win. Yeah, and we we actually we talked a little bit about that in part one. I I watched um, the final, and and it was a, a, a very even game. I thought Paris Saint Germain was slightly the better team. I, I think you're right about the mental side because even in the shootout, Paris Saint Germain got the advantage. And then um, one of our guests in part one, Alex, is Chilean, um, so a huge huge fan of Cristiani Endler, um, and unfortunately for some reason, Paris Saint Germain decided she should take a, a pretty crucial penalty. And, and I think you're right to kind of point to that mental side and, and Leon really have that. But I mean, I, I think from afar, for me, it looks like, you know, it was a really close title race this year. You know, that, that Coup de France final was, was very, very even. Um, it, it seems to me the gap between Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain is closing. Do, I mean, do you agree with that? And do you think that's because uh, PSG are getting better? Or do you think it's because Lyon aren't quite what they were? Well, I think it's more because PSG are getting better like since, let's say, since the... 2015 mm. um, they're getting better but um, yeah it will it will be I will repeat exactly the same but it's it's like um, the French team our national team mm. our national team team is getting at the end we we don't won we don't win anything mm. um, and 
Like, as you as you you told me uh, during the penalty kicks, Christian Endler um, uh, did one, but uh, I mean all the pen, all the 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 the, the players that uh, decided to take that penalty kick, then not in the game. Mm. Uh, Olivier Schwafny decided to to um, to do some um, to 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 put them on the field um, for during the last minute so that they will be able to to take that penalty kick. And in my point of view, I mean, uh, it would have been Kadidia Tudjani, Marie Antoinette Katoto, Grace Gayoro, the main players, the one that lead the teams, and none of them took that penalty kick. So it's um, a decision from the, the the coach. I didn't get it, and mm-hmm. I still don't get it. Yeah, that that's interesting. And um, and and a couple of us actually in part one predicted that this tie might go to penalties, and that that might play in Arsenal's favour a bit if it does. Um, but look, but looking um, a bit more generally at, at PSG since uh, lockdown, since play stopped, um, you know they've they've brought in uh, Ramona Backman from Chelsea, a, a player English fans will know very very well. Um, they brought back the goalkeeper Charlotte Vol, uh, Benedict Simon. Um, but it, it seems to me the important thing that PSG have done is retained a lot of players and, and signed play, you know big players or important players to new contracts. Has has this been a good kind of summer for PSG in terms of, uh, in your view, in terms of both who they've brought in and who they've been able to keep? Well, in my view and in the view of L'Equipia, uh, the media for which I work, um, it's actually not a good one because um, so I did I did the, my mathematics <laughs> one two three four five six players left uh, with and there was Anna Glass who went to uh, Bayern Munich F Perisset which is uh, which was uh, one of the co-captain. Uh, and that left for Bordeaux, which next year will be one of the main team, like nearly at the same level as PSG. Mm. Uh, there is the goalkeeper, Katarina Kridzinek, uh, who left for Wolfsburg. And then after three young players that play with um, uh, friends uh, under 20 or friends under 17. and Two of them went to Lyon. Mm. So that and yeah, and you told you told me uh, Ramona Bachman from Chelsea, Charlotte Vol, and uh, another one, Benedict Simon from um, uh, from uh, Reims, uh, a French uh, team. Um, so I think it wasn't a really good um, a really good um, um, period this summer. A really good transfer because mm. PSG uh, lost some really good players like F. Perisse, which if maybe on the field, she's not ev- uh, during every game that good. Uh, mm. Well, she's really important. She was really important for the team because she was there during uh, many years and she was one of the key players in the group. And from, it looked like, um, the the maybe not the coach but the sports director I don't know if you say that uh, yes, the, yes yeah yeah the sports director it's like they didn't really try to 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 have a competitive team that would have been able to beat Lyon. Mm. And, it, and it's interesting you, you reference Bordeaux there, who are managed by uh, Pedro Martinez Loza, uh, f- former Arsenal manager, and um, yeah, uh, possibly wasn't great in the end, Arsenal manager, but but someone I got on with uh, with very well. In um in that Coupe de France final against uh, uh, against Lyon, um, you know PSG went with their I think usual four four two kind of formation. Well, that's, that's not usual. Ah, is it not? Okay, interesting. So how how do they usually play? Well, usually it's a 4-3-3. Three, three. 
Okay. And, and well, that was really surprising because um, in the, the front of the team, so there was uh, Ritema and, uh, and Katoto. And mm. Katoto played as 10, you know, and she, yeah. and it it didn't work because then after Ritema was was alone um uh was alone uh, yeah was alone um so it's mainly also because of that in my opinion that PSG didn't manage to um to put more pressure pressure on Lyon. Interesting. And, and would, would you expect to see them? So was that a tactic just for Leon, or would you expect to see them line up like that against Arsenal? Because one of the things I thought looking at PS, PSG was I thought, you know, Arsenal play three in midfield and they have, they have three very, very good midfielders in Leo Volti, Jordan Nobbs and Kim Hello. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Um, and Because Arsenal play three in midfield and I thought to myself, oh, if PSG play 4-4-2, Arsenal might might have some fun there. Would, would, would you expect them to go back to 4-3-3 to play Arsenal? Yeah, I think that they're going to be back uh, in their traditional um, game system. Um, during the semi-final against Bordeaux, um, so it was... Uh, at the beginning of August, August the first or the second, mm. and they played in their four-three-three, and it was much better than the four-four-two because, well, it was it's not the same team, Bordeaux and Lyon, but um, I mean, except Cadidia uh, to Gianni uh, during the game against Lyon, well, we didn't see Ritema, we didn't see Sandy Baltimore, and there was only. Kadidia to Jani and then Katoto, but Katoto c- couldn't do everything. Mm. And um, a, a player that uh, PSG have that I'm, I really, really like is uh, Sarah de Brits and um, a player Arsenal were, were very interested in signing a couple of years ago, but it didn't quite happen. Um, now, she, she ruptured her cruciate ligament in December and she's back in the team, albeit on the substitutes bench, which which seems quite soon. Are there are there any concerns over um, over her being kind of rushed back for this? Well, well, she 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 didn't start against Bordeaux, and she didn't start against Lyon. But every time she um, she she was put on the field around an hour of the game. Mm. Um, well, I think it's not, they're not rushing, rushing, but they know Sarah Debritz is one of their best players, so they have to have her doing for the game against Arsenal. Mm. Um, I think she might not start against, uh, against Arsenal, otherwise, we would have seen her against Lyon. Um, but it's one of my concerns against Arsenal is. It's that um, Formiga didn't look really fit against Lyon. She was yeah. the one who started with um, uh, Gayoro and um, was the third one. I forgot uh, Gayoro and oh no, well there were just two Formiga just and two, Gayoro yeah, yeah. playing the four four two. Yes, and um, Formiga didn't do a, a good impression. And against Lyon, it was Luana. And she didn't do a, a good impression as well. So one of the weakness of Paris Saint-Germain, I would say it would be it will be the the, the midfield. And that that's um, the next question I was going to ask you actually about uh, Formiga. Um, you know, someone who writes about Brazilian football as well and about the Brazilian national team. You know, Formiga for me is is just an, an icon of of women's sport, not just women's football. Um, and I think Formiga would have retired this year had um, the Olympics gone ahead. I think she's she's just waiting for that seventh Olympics. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think she looked really, uh, even at 42, she's quite energetic, but she looked to me like, you know, having not perhaps lost some match rhythm there. Is that, you know, is it usual for her not to be able to complete 90 minutes these days? or do you th- Or was that just kind of a one-off in the Lyon game? 
No, it's not. Well, it's not usual. Well, usually you see her every every weekend. Well, every game she's in the eleventh um, players who starts. Um, but at the same time, it's a really strange period. So, yeah, as you as you as you told us, yeah, maybe it's the year um, that is um, too the the too much year. The mm. she should have retired um, at the end of the season, but uh, she looks like she won't be enough fit for the big games, the the mm. important games. She will be fit for the for the normal games during well normal the the games against Montpellier against Reims mm-hmm. against those teams in France. But she, I think she doesn't have uh, the level for the European games and well the quarterfinals, semi-final, or even a final. And um, I, there's another player you, you've mentioned a couple of times I, I really wanted to ask you about, which is uh, Mary Antoinette Katoto. Uh, uh, um, controversially left out of the France squad for the World Cup last summer, despite the fact she's been the top scorer in Liga um, two years in a row. Was that, a, first of all, was that a big shock, um, her being left out of the World Cup squad like that? And what's her reaction been since then? Well, yeah, like it looked like um, that was a little bit weird uh, because she was the 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 top striker in the French Championship, and so usually you don't leave you don't leave on the side your top striker. Mm. Um, well, she she, she reacts. Um, in the media or publicly, so we we don't really know. But um, since the the World Cup, um, she 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 played with uh, the national team. Um, she did she did some pretty good uh, games, but she I, I don't know. I, I feel like she she's not really she hasn't uh, take. Uh, the step to to be uh, to be one of the uh, best players in the world yet. I think mm. she she is maybe a little bit too young, or it might be now the time we will see uh, in the quarterfinal because she's one of Par- Paris Saint Germain best player, mm. um, and especially with Kadidia Tudjani um, uh, close to her. I mean, those two uh, players are the most dangerous one. Um, you don't have well, you, you don't, you don't, don't, don't leave like two meters to Kadidia to Jenny. Otherwise, she mm. she will take them and 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 strike. This is sure. So, I'm I'm really curious to see how Marie Antoinette Catoto will manage the pressure squad. Because now uh, it's been two or three years we've seen her championship. She she strikes a lot, and now she has to to prove that uh, she has the level to to do the same at a European level. Mm. And um, my my final question, Tara, before I before I let you go, is, is a more general question about women's football in France, because obviously France hosted the World Cup last summer, and um, uh, you know, which is which is usually a, like a big deal for a country, particularly in boosting the profile of the women's game. Have you seen signs that that that's had an effect in France? That the profile of women's football has gotten higher as a result of hosting the World Cup, or do you not think it's really pushed the needle that much? Well, um, at um, at professional level, it's. It's hard to 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 tell. There's a huge difference. Mm. I would say it's more um, in the way um, clubs like um, well, in the way clubs use more women and men, like to to present the new jersey or stuff like that. Yeah. Like in like in England, I've seen that a lot. That you've got uh, an ad with 
a, play, a, a female player and a man player. Um, but otherwise, there's, there's still um, a huge salary gap between Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain and the others. Yeah. Um, and it's just at, um, how would you say that, at, um, well, uh, the level where everyone can play, the, the, the non-professional level. Mm. Um, there's a quite lot more players, but the problem is that the club don't have enough uh, means and enough like football fields to welcome everyone. Yeah, I, I think it, it's similar in England as well. I think you can see... In England, Arsenal, Manchester City and Chelsea are just so far ahead of everyone else. And, and then when you go below the WSL, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy, I think, to build an image of professionalism. Um, when, you look, when you look at Arsenal, Manchester City and Chelsea, you think, wow, you know, uh, women's football in England is, is really, really coming along. But once you go, and I'm sure it's the same in France, once you look below PSG, Lyon, possibly Bordeaux, it it still looks a bit more semi-professional. It's still difficult to find coverage and difficult to find even things like team lineups and just acknowledge, acknowledgement that games are even happening. So I, I think you're right that, well, sorry, I, th- I think that that's, that's quite a general thing in women's football. The coverage of the elite level is going up, but perhaps that's, that's not really transferring through um, to every level. Tara, I've, I've taken um, enough of your time already. I'm so grateful for you coming on the show. Um, and thank you so much for joining us and for your insights. Thanks for, for having me. It was a nice uh, new thing to do. Absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure to have you on. And um, that's all all that we have time for, uh, for this month's show. Um, Hopefully, we'll come to you with a special show if and when Arsenal win the Champions League um, (laughs) in San Sebastian. Um, Myself and Pippa will put something together for that. But if not, um, we'll we'll have another podcast for you in a couple of weeks, probably previewing the beginning of the WSL season in early September. So thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. And we will be back again with another show in a couple of weeks' time. season treat yourself treat yourself to candy celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply